0: Today's Center use Nation podcast was brought to you by Manscaped. Head to manscaped.com and use the promo code capital C, capital L, nation, and to receive 20% off plus free delivery on all their products. Welcome to this podcast of Cine's Nation. This is Pat LaRusso, I'll soon be joined by Lucas Urgenti and Anthony Sino, where we discuss the signing of Joe Jumbo, Joe Thornton, uh, as well as what the impact will be to him joining the Maple Leafs and so much more. Welcome to this podcast, of Serenity Nation. This is Pat LaRusso, and I am joined by my co-hosts, uh, Lucas Egenti and Anthony Sino. Welcome, gentlemen.
1: Hey, how's it going, Pat? How's it going, Luke? I uh, hope you guys had a good weekend.
2: Yeah, same old, man, same old. Honestly, just uh, starting to get back to reality here without hockey. It's kind of a weird feeling, considering we had it uh, every night, non-stop. Actually, all day. I wouldn't even say every night. We had it pretty much all day for a pretty long time. Now it's, now it's getting weird without it.
0: Yeah, it's kind of weird. Thank God that um, Kyle Dupas and the Maple Leafs gave us something to talk about Friday night uh, when it was announced that the Leafs had signed uh, Joe Thornton on a one-year contract. Um, you know, Anthony, what was what was your initial thoughts on the signing? Um,
1: in the in the in the very moment, I like just got like really like excited. Um, once I heard that he was coming. Uh, and then immediately caught myself thinking, like, oh no, like, what's the number? Right? Because I, I think Ella Friedman tweeted first, uh, Thornton of Toronto's heating up. And then I think back to all the articles I read, and they're saying, oh, 1 million, 1. 1.5 million is the AAV you're gonna have to pay to get them. And I'm like, oh, you know what? Like, okay, 1.5, yes, cheaper than Kerfoot, but Kerfoot's a million years younger. and. Like, can you really trust Thornton to be your third line center? Because at 1.5, they would have had to probably make another move. And then the official announcement comes out from the league or from, sorry, from the Leafs, and it's 700K. And I'm like, all right, strap me in. Let's go. I'm ready for the Jumbo Joe ride. And uh, it's going to be, it's going to be fantastic. I think, I think that the, uh, if when you watch his uh, his interviews that he's done over the over the past, the guy's just like a larger than life personality that Leafs Nation is going to appreciate, um, and not just for what he brings on the ice, but what he'll do to that locker room. Uh, and I, just I I can't say anything bad about the signing. Just look just looking at the AAV, the term, the type of player that Thornton is, the type of person that he is. It's gonna be fantastic.
2: Yeah, I don't think there really is anything bad to say about the signing. Um just in terms of the player you're getting and at the at the price you're paying for that player. But I mean at first when I when I heard, I wouldn't say I was shocked. I mean, I guess I guess with the way the rumor mill swirls now, like you kind of hear everything before it's gonna happen days before. Um, so it was almost like I was prepared for it to happen. But I guess when it actually broke and um, you know, the least Twitter least Twitter put it out there, I was yeah, I guess I'll say I was shocked. Um, and I guess I won't say I was shocked in the sense that I didn't believe it was happening. I was more or less just kind of like, all right, where's he going to fit in? Because I was looking at the roster. And I'm just wondering, like, did, did Toronto need Joe Thornton? Um, and I, at first, I would say I would have been okay without him. But now digging a little deeper, I'm happy they, they made the call. I'm happy they made the signing. Um, as Anthony said, 700K, you really can't go wrong. I mean, it's, it's about as cheap as you can go, if not the cheapest you can go. Um And at the end of the day, man, the guy's a a brilliant hockey player. He's been around forever. He's going to bring a a ton to the room. Um, Again, it was just more or less where where was he going to fit? Because I don't really see him, you know, having that big of a role in the top six. I I do think that he could step in, uh, you know, when need be. Obviously, it's Joe Thornton, so he can play uh, power play minutes if if need be as well. But I don't know. I don't know. Spezza there with Kerfoot there. It just, you know, it it was kind of like, hmm, what's going to happen next?
0: Yeah, no, I kind of, I remember I was driving home Friday night when the initial announcement broke. Um, I was listening to uh, Overdrive with Michael Hayes and all those guys. And uh, my initial reaction was, this is the exact intangibles that the three of us have been discussing since last season that the Leafs needed. Um, You know, he he brings energy energy to the room. He's a a wily vet who's going to bring some additional accountability to that dressing room. I think you'll be a great person for even a, a young coach like Sheldon Keith to rely on um, cuz funny enough Joe Thorne's actually a couple years older I believe than Sheldon Keith so so you know, there there yeah. is that there is that um you know that element too and I he's older I, than
1: Dubas too I, yeah, know, he's I older think Keith I think he's actually well. younger than Dubas so yeah Joe Joe's like the most senior person in the organization yeah it's uh, for sure. Not including the scouts, obviously. So not including
0: some of the scouts. And
1: Ancl- Cliff Fletcher, who's going to be there until he dies. But
0: Yeah, so it is it is one of those things where, you know what, that that level of experience, that a level of, of intangibles is something that this roster needed. Um, I don't anticipate us getting 2005 Joe Thornton, but I would be happy with 2018 Joe Thornton. You know, I think he yeah, scored really. what, almost 20 goals and how many assists. You know, playing with uh, LeBlanc on the third line. You know, if we could get that production out of him on our third line, you know, it beats what we had last year coming out of that third line with, you know, Kapanen really not fitting in in the top top six. Johnson Mm -hmm. kind of being in and out in the top six, really not producing. And I think I saw one set that between Kapanen and Johnson, all they scored last season was 21 goals. Like yeah. Yeah, we,
1: they they we, they did not contribute much. We did, they did we didn't get value in those contracts last no, year, and I, I think that that was like a big reason as to why they they're gone. Is that it? It was a luxury to pay those guys three million. Yeah. Um But once the big four got their money, and like you just you can't pay for combined six point nine million for
0: for what Which they 21 brought goals. exactly, exactly. twenty one goals. It's just it's. Kapanen and brought a, nothing
1: else. By the like, no. sorry to interject, but brought nothing else. Like if they no. weren't scoring, they weren't really doing they anything were, aside from that. Kapanen. Yeah. Like the occasional fight once Clifford came, you you saw that edge. Yeah. But they, like you, that was just that wasn't that was the uh, that was the sorry like the uh, the odd occasion with Kapanen, right? He wasn't bringing that kind of physicality every night, so no, it, it no, that was it, only when he it, wanted. It made sense, like. To. In hindsight, it did make sense that those guys had to go, but yeah. So with that, with that though, what do you guys think of kind of where Thornton can fill the gap as to what, as to what those guys brought? Cause like it or not, yeah, they had an off year, but in the eighteen nineteen season, Kapanen and Janssen both provided some, some value in their, in our top nine. Right. So I'm looking back to what you said, Pat. In terms of uh, not last year's Joe Thornton, like the 2019-2020 season, the 1819 season, he scored 51 points in 73 games. That's a 57-point pace on on a good Sharks team that went to the conference final. If you if you guys remember correctly, right? So, to me, if you get six, like if you get two thirds of that on your third line, like how do you how do you not take that risk right like you said like I, I've seen all of our tweets about this signing so far it, it is literally um, such little risk for just an absolute no, I'm, I won't say a home run but like a, a definitely a double or, or, or a triple um, in, a, in a very very close game in, in to use the metaphor of like this cap right like to get a 700 grand player that can provide just a vo- be a vocal leader in the room and kind of smack some guys in the ass when they need it, uh, in terms of getting their getting their compete level up. A uh, guy who, by all accounts, is just a, a rank rat um, and can provide uh, that level of scoring that Capitan and Janssen brought last year. Uh, it, it just uh, it makes all the sense in the world. Like I know we're like we're I'm trying to find reasons to not like it and the only reason would be is that he gets injured and at and then in that case like if he's out for the season okay it's 700 grand he uh, he goes on ir and and it, and it literally is a you wipe your hands of it and you're done right so i don't know what you guys have to say with that but if you do have any other negatives let me know like or any possible contingencies that you can see going on with this type of deal
2: Uh, I I wouldn't say I have a negative, like you can't, you can't find anything negative to say about it. I I guess I just, I'm stuck on the roster because I don't, I think Pat was the one who mentioned it. Um, you know, he'd be a nice addition to the third line, but, and again, maybe I just advocate for, for Kerfoot too much because of how much I like him, but I don't want to see him play on the wing because I don't think he can play the wing. Now I understand he has experience because he's able to play the wing, but that doesn't mean he's able to play it. Well, are you Um, talking about Thornton or Kerfoot? No, no, I'm talking about Thornton stepping in to play the third line center role and have Kerfoot pushed up to play at the wing at some point because I don't think they're going to move away from Kerfoot because do You don't like think the Kerfoot can play?
1: The, you don't think Kerfoot can play the wing? Uh,
2: no, like I oh, I think I,
1: oh, I oh, okay. I, that's where that's where I disagree. I think, he I, think I think he has I think he can play the wing for sure. Like um, if if I remember correctly, that that point streak that Nylander was on, Pat, do you remember how many games it was? uh at some point he was on like a 20 game point streak nylander that was when kerfoot and Te- with kerfoot and tavera is on his line like it was just it was near the kind of beginning of the Keefe era and they uh and it was like they they, they kind of stacked the top six like look i'm not saying like, i see what you're I, saying but like,
2: the, man, point, is the point is that we he's, get flexibility the point is
1: that we get flexibility
2: Oh, yeah, like, I, walk- you, you do get flexibility, but you have the same flexibility with Spetta. Like, it's not like you're bringing in Joe Thornton, you're bringing in the Messiah of centermen. Like, don't get me wrong, no, great no, centerman. no, no, no guys. No. Like, I 100% love the, the signing. All I'm saying is if you push Joe Thornton into the third line center role, I genuinely believe Alex Kerfoot becomes a ghost. And I understand that, yeah, okay, maybe at the beginning of the year, William Nylander might have been okay with Kerfoot, but there was more times than not I was, I was saying to myself, when Kerfoot was playing on the wing, where's Kerfoot? And I can remember vividly the amount of tweets that Leaf Nation put out saying Kerfoot cannot play on the wing. And it was almost evident yeah. that he can't play on the wing.
1: I think, I think people but, were looking at that just with his point totals. Like, Kerfoot did not have a good year points-wise. Um, but I, I do think when you, when you dig into it a little bit, he's a really good puck transporter, like, through the neutral zone. So, to your point, Luke, um, I do think that if he, if he were to go... L- like, a, let's say that... Um, let's just assume that they sign uh, Makayev. Right, and they and and they, they lock in their top six with Makayev, Nylander, Tavares, and then you have, or or VC for it, with that line, and then you got Hyman, Matthews, Marner, right? That t- that third line, like you have an abundance of options, right? You can yeah. do Kerfoot in the middle, Thornton on the wing, Simmons on the right wing, Barabanov. You got you got Spezza, You got. um Joey Anderson that they acquired for Janssen, right? Like they have a bunch of different options. They got Engvall, Robertson, right? So there's a lot of guys that you can kind of blend blender together uh, and mix. I, I do think that a kerfoot Thornton pair on that third line could be really valuable, um, whether you want to argue who should be the center or not. But because Thornton struggles um, with transporting the puck through the neutral zone, I think that's a pl- spot that Kerfoot could help alleviate that pressure off Thornton, right? So where you, you you turn a 200-foot sheet of ice for Thornton into like 170 feet of ice, you know what I mean? Where in, in the O zone, okay, maybe you have Thornton play uh, down low below the dots where he can set up a guy like Simmons in front of the net or something like that. In the D zone, maybe Thornton has to play on the wing because he you don't want him to get tired chasing the puck around through the D zone. So there's a lot of different ways that that Keith can attack this. Um, but I don't think I'm gonna go as far as you as saying that like, oh, like Kerfoot can't play the wing, so like we should just not bother trying it. Like they're gonna try it. Like I don't think well,
2: obviously I never said they were gonna try it. Okay, I'm just yeah, saying, okay. I just think I just don't think that like like the way the way people are talking about the Thornton acquisition, it was like he was going to come in and, and save the third line, as if the third line was was no, really no, the problem. No, no. Like I, the realistic the wingers were the problem on the third line because again, and and this could be me because I'm I'm just into Kerfoot that much. I just think Kerfoot was was more than okay in that position, and I think he's a really good centerman. And I think as you were saying, transporting the puck, doing all the right things, I think Kerfoot does do that. So it's like you're bringing in Thornton. Okay, you're not going to play him on the second line. That doesn't make any sense. You're not going to play him on the first line. That makes absolutely no sense. And really, you can't really have Joel Thornton on the fourth line either. So it's like, where does he actually fit? I, I think guess that's the, the point I'm trying to make, right?
0: I think it's the th- third, and I think depending on who the opponent is, that'll change. So if yep. you're playing a bigger team that's bigger down the middle, then I don't mind having Matthews, Tavares, Thornton, Spezza down the middle. If it's Matthews, a fast, Matthews,
2: Tavares, Thornton, right? Seto. Okay, and then we're absolutely, on and then a the right, faster right? team.
0: Not and then third if the line
1: fans, He could play on the he could play in the top six Kerfoot on right? the wing if you want him to. I would I would
0: put him on I put Kerfoot on the wing and allow Thor and, and, and I would only play Thornton in the offensive zone to start. You know what I mean? Like
1: that's what I was just about to say, Pat. You right? look at, if you look it's at his breakdown, you gotta look at his breakdown. I'm, I'll give you his breakdown from last season, guys. Give me a second. So all right, so his ozone starts. So Last season, last season, uh, Thornton had 116 offensive zone starts. He had 185 neutral zone starts and 93 defensive zone starts. So even a team as weak as the Sharks were trying to give him as much opportunity. Yeah, to, it's all, to, all situational. To get, yeah. to get in the, yeah, it's all situational, right? It's so, situational. Like, isn't there? Can't you guys see a situation like how many times do we see uh, at the end of a period or something like that where you got uh, where Keith would throw Tavares, uh, Tavares Marner and um, Matthews together, right? Like in an ozone start, trying to get trying to get yeah. a goal or something like that, right? Like we know Keefe is not afraid to to try these things, and and the thing that has has grown on me as, of him as a coach is that. Yes, the lines are, are, get reported as they do in the pregame warm-up, but once the game is going, right, like it's very fluid. It, yeah. so, very so, fluid. So, so, so at that point, like there's definitely going to be a scenario where like for, to cite another stat, like Thornton was like in the 99th percentile of guys with shot assists um, last season in the NHL. So you have two centermen who are two of the best shooters in the game in Matthews and Tavares. What's stopping you from throwing Thornton on, 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 on the wing with uh, either Matthews or Tavares in an offensive zone start uh, and you have him playing that way, right? Like you have him in that role. I think that Thornton is going to fit in uh, on the power play quite significantly. I think that he can add a different element to the Leafs power play that, you know what, they might need to consider not having all the big four forwards on one power play. I think that they need to they need to re to reevaluate that because I do think that they became more predictable, um, and I think that that's gonna change. Now, what, what do you guys I, think about his role there too?
0: On or, the power play? Yeah. Like, think,
1: do you, where do you see him playing? Do you see him playing on the half wall? Do you see him playing in net front? And and like, what are your units? Right? Like, there's a lot of different questions that need to be asked. I
0: would put him on. I would I would put him on the bumper spot. He's so good at distri- distributing the puck. Good idea. I would put, like, a Barabanov and or a Simmons in front of the net. to, You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I
1: would probably put Simmons, not Barabanov, but yeah. Right?
0: Like, it would be Simmons or Barabanov, or whoever they decide to put on the second power play. But you need a bigger body that can kind of act like a Hyman or, or even a Tavares slash Nylander. Right? So, yeah. I think you're going to need to do that. Um, I think you're going to need to to do that um to be able to uh, you know really cycle through the players on that roster and give them the but I and I yeah I, I could see Joe being on the bumper spot.
1: But if you're gonna so so to your point, Pat, um if you're going to 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 put him on the bumper spot, like there's definitely a, a way where you can get Kerfoot, um Spetza, Simmons, Thornton, and one of the defensemen as, like, that... I could see that being a second unit, right? Yeah. Um, the only thing is, though, is to meet... Like, obviously, we know the second unit's not going to play a lot, so, like, I guess it's not that big of a deal, but I could also see a scenario where maybe you you take off, like... You, you take off a Nylander or a Tavares or even a Marner off the off that big uh the big gun unit and and you and you put Thornton there too, in situations, right? like I think the the moral of the story that I'm trying to say here is is that the Leafs really need to start becoming more uh up, up, like opponent dependent in terms of the way that they deploy their lineup uh and I think that's what made Tampa so good that the Leafs need to try and emulate is like they now have the type of players where I think that they could play and win and be successful in, in different styles of games and dictate the way that they want the game to be played. Um, and I think that to Lucas's point earlier is that, Oh, like, like Kerfoot needs to be like the third line center. Like, yes, I agree with Kerfoot being there most of the time. It's just, I think that when they bring in a guy like a Barabanov, who's pretty versatile, a Makayev, uh, a Thornton, a Simmons, like, those guys are just, like, they're, they're so fluid and, and, to me, very, like, ir- uh, like, replaceable talents and versatile that, like, there, there's nothing to say that that the lineup can change every game, every three games, like, you know what I mean? I think that's the moral of the story here and yeah. the options that Keefe has.
0: Yeah, that's, that's, that's the whole plus by having depth, right? Like, this was something that the Leafs lacked last year. That if some guys weren't going, they still had a spot on the roster. Where the
1: Leafs lacked last year is that they were their fourth line was supposed to they when they soon as they brought in Clifford they thought that fourth line was going to be a banger line, and then Keith never 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 played them. Right, Keith Keith never played them. They played like less than less than nine minutes a night. So how do you affect the game? Right now. Right? Like, that's all the fourth line could have brought and in very limited time. Now, you could put a fourth line that's very skilled yeah. out there, right? And, and maybe, you have a, maybe you have a fourth line that's skilled and the third line is the checking line with, like, a Kerfoot, a Simmons, and a Barabanov or a Makayev. You know what I mean? Yeah, what do you but think that of that, Thornton has
2: to go to the fourth line, and I don't think Thornton right, to play on the fine. fourth line at
1: all. But, but to, I don't think... When, when, when we say numbers, like, fourth line, right... I, I, to me, I don't want to think of it like that because that's just fourth. That's the fourth line listed on like the, the tweet that Shilton or Masters or Chris Johnson tweet out in the pregame warm-up, right? Like the fourth line could be, yeah, the fourth line on the depth chart, but they could get all the ozone starts and you give the Kerfoot line the D zone starts because yeah, you're that's, not going to
2: give them the fourth. You're not going to give the fourth line the ozone starts. If you have, if you well, have, if what's, your third why? line. Why? What, what's, what's stopping well, you from doing that? Well, because if your third line is Kerfoot, let's just say your third line is. Robinson, Kerfoot, Simmons. I'm just gonna throw that out there. Yeah, you're, you're okay. going and that's just very Matthew realistic. Just, just, just finished, just finished a minute shift. The the second line just finished a minute shift before that. They just can't go out. You get an ozone start. You're gonna throw out Spezza, Thornton, and Barbanov over the third line.
1: Uh, well, th- that's up to Keith. I the the line that you're saying with Robertson's Kerfoot and Simmons right? To me, that's just as good of an offensive line as the Thornton line that you mentioned, right? But what happens if it's, like, uh, the che- ultimately, we don't know who's going to end up being a g- the good, like, checkers, right? In air quotes, right? So, But let's just assume for the, a, a moment, right? It's Barabanov, Simmons, and Kerfoot, right? That, like, to me, that, that's a good, hard-to-play against speed line, heavy line that can play the the role that the Yanni Gord, the Coleman and the Goudreau line played for Tampa, where they're just like hard to play against, ultra compete level, right? And they bring it every night. The guys that are just a pain in the ass to play against, those guys chew up your hard minutes, and then that leaves like a s like a Thornton and, and a Spezza and whoever I'm not sure who it is. Maybe it's Robertson. Maybe it's Engvall. I don't know. Maybe it's Makayev. You don't know. But that line is the line where it's okay. Ozone starts. Give him the easier minutes. Maybe they can create chances and, and, hold the, and hold possession of the puck, right? Now, the way that I say it, I don't know if they're ever going to have Spets and Thornton in the lineup at the same time, right? What we haven't mentioned in this entire conversation is how the, the regular season is going to pan out, right? We don't, it, it could, it's gonna, Is it going to be a 48-game schedule, like a lockout year, right? How many back-to-backs are those going to be, Right. Maybe you don't want to, like, that again, right? We're assuming that all these guys have to be in the lineup at the same time. We don't know that yet,
0: right? We also I don't, don't know what was we discussed, right? Like we, was Spe- like, we don't know what was promised to Spezza. We don't know what's promised to Thornton. You know, if it is a condensed schedule, you know, are we looking at maybe a, 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 a platoon of Spezza Thornton, you know, on the third line exactly. and then we kind of just rotate through? Like, it just, I really like, um, I really like the fact that this roster for the first time in a long time has that versatility and we're able to have these conversations. Because in the past, even if you weren't playing, you knew you had a roster spot. Um, yeah,
1: that's the thing. It creates internal competition.
0: Yeah. Last year, last drives, year we, never
1: even we never even had to have a conversation about line combinations last year. We knew who was playing. The yeah. only thing that would change is, is who's playing right wing on the fourth line or left wing on the fourth line. We knew it was Goce and Spezza. And then it was either Malgin or Engval as the guy alternating in and out, right? The third yes, line right. was the third line was Makayev, kerfoot and and uh Mikhaev, Kerfoot and Kapanen, right? And then you had Janssen, like the top six was what it was, right? Now there's a lot of different things, and I think like if we're trying to read between the lines here, and I know we're, we're not a we're not a Marley's podcast here, but I think that all these moves like the like, sorry, I, I just realized, guys, we haven't even mentioned Jimmy VC, who Dubas ha- was quoted saying that he, he's the VC's is going to get a chance in the top six. Right. right. And at, with him being set with him saying that and we know that the Harvard connection, VC and Kerfoot played on the same line at Harvard. Like we didn't even meet, uh, mention that pair. Right. But I think that speaks to the fact that, well, like, is there an AHL? is the AHL going to be playing or are they going to have to do a taxi squad? Right. Kind of, kind of thing, like in fantasy football, right. Where, where the games are so compact They they might, what are the cap ramifications? Maybe your taxi squad doesn't uh, count for the cap or, or maybe they raise it a little bit, like kind of like a, uh a, a, a Uh, like a fake cap kind of thing, like where they, maybe they raise it to like 83 or 84 million in terms of like AAV because of the taxi squad or something like that. You know, we don't know that. Right. But it all depends on like, obviously the pandemic, right. Which seems to have an effect on everything right now. So we, if these, if this league is, if the AHL isn't playing, if the OHL isn't playing, right. Like Nick Robertson needs a place to play. Do they send him to Europe we don't like again. We don't know, right? I think Nick Robertson had a hell of a series against Columbus. But again, it's only five games. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. what did you guys think of Makayev's? Is is Mikhaev guaranteed a roster spot? I thought he was awful against Columbus. What did you guys think?
0: I just, I think he just wasn't recovered from his injury. Uh, I'm going oh, to no, give I, I'm to give it. for the doubt. I just had, I just he had like nine months to recover. It's not like it, recovery physically and recovering being able to play an NHL game is two completely different monsters. Um, yeah, it's it a pretty significant injury. You know, like what it was a cut, a cut across the wrist? You yeah, know,
1: it, it, it was it, sliced vein. It, you know, like I, oh, like I, I don't want to come across as saying that I, I, I didn't think the injury was serious. I just think that, like, taking his play for what it was face value, like he was a non-factor in all facets of the game. Right? He didn't produce any offense. He was not hard to play against. He wasn't able to show his speed. And and like the the philosophical question is, how much stake do we or how much thought or uh stake do we put into uh playing in a bubble with no fans in the middle of August? Like how do we how yeah. do we evaluate that, right? Like Nick Robertson, how how is his debut happening if he's debuting on hockey night in Canada? on a Saturday night against the Habs rather than like Columbus with no fans in a bubble. You know what I mean? You have a training camp, all this stuff. Like it, there's just so many different variables that, that were, that were factoring into the play there. But if we're just taking it at face value, like I thought Robertson was better than makayev Right. Yep. I th- I think Robertson is, a, is going to be a 30 goal scorer in the NHL. I, I think that highly of him. The moves that the Leafs made this year think that, Tell me, as a as a person watching from the outside, that they don't think that he's going to be a full time NHLer next year. So Robertson, what is that? Yeah, that the, like they well, signed.
2: I, I don't know if that's necessarily true.
1: Okay, sir, I'm not gonna I'm not saying they won't give him a chance, but I'm saying like if you have uh, Robertson penciled into your lineup, right? Do you, why are you signing Jimmy Vesey at 900 grand? Like, why is he taking? Well, you need
2: depth. Place? You absolutely need okay. depth. And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, Anthony, like you also have to remember too, look how many injuries Toronto went through this year.
0: Yeah. It was happened, it, it, they were rabbi- I'm going to
2: take my chances with the $700,000. And, and this is really no one's fault. Engvall showed a lot of promise when he got the contract. It sucks that we're oh, kind of yeah. sitting here saying, you know, we're kind of cap strapped. So I would like to see him move on. But like, if they can get rid of Engvall, I- I'd be over the moon. And, and that's because, just because of the cap situation, really. But yeah. if you're bringing in Jimmy Vesey for 700 like i am not going to say that has anything really negative to say about Robertson. I think that's more or less just, oh, wow, this guy was... I'm pretty sure he was a first-round pick, if I'm not mistaken. He was really, 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 really... No, uh, he, was a,
1: he was a highly touted college free uh, agent. I, I sure, forget what... Yeah, he, was, he got yeah, drafted by uh, Nashville. College. He got drafted by Nashville, won the Hopi Baker at Harvard. And then if you guys remember, he was... He was deciding between the Rangers and the Leafs. Like that was like his in Was yeah, that Nylander's year? It was before the the debut of Matthews. So the 16-17 season, VC was deciding like Leafs or um Leafs or uh or Rangers. He ends up going Rangers road. Uh and and then there was that crazy tweet that Drager said, oh, if the Leafs got VC.
0: He would um, have to treat Nylander.
1: Nylander is out. Like, yeah, okay. Cool. Like that would been that would have been a disaster. No, no, I, I,
2: I get what you're coming from. I do. I do. I just no, don't like, think that like, necessarily like, signing VC means that they don't trust Robertson. I mean, yeah, I shouldn't. I should Rookie. So you're not gonna you're not gonna put all your eggs in that basket, right? You're gonna I sit think, there and say that's fair.
1: But then to think to, really, to back to my point though, sorry, Lou, uh, Pat, to interrupt here, but back to my point about Robertson, right? Like. That kid needs a place to play. It, it's not just for Robertson, like Sandine and Lilligren, right? Like Sandine's not penciled into the top six right now, right? They got let. They got that Lettinen guy who's l- looking fantastic in the KHL. They got. They still got to sign Dermot. They got Bogosian. Like I, I get it. De- you need depth. Like obviously, obviously, these moves signify that. That that depth is is a key. Uh, was a key uh, theme in their off season. And they needed to acquire more players, more NHL players, because if they were in a situation again, where Jake Muzzin's hurt and they had to put in Martin Marincin again, I like how many Leaf fans would have just been like, all right, we're done. Like Martin Morinson's going to last longer than the Toronto Maple Leafs hockey club. Like the team might move. Uh, like, you know what I mean? That's how crazy I think that their love for Marincin is. I, I'll never get it. I think he is a, uh, an adequate 7th or 8th defenseman in the NHL. He shouldn't but he should still never be playing on a cup contending team. Even if you have injuries. So so like I like to that to that point you still have Sandine that you need to get minutes for and like if the AHL is not happening, these guys need to play somewhere. So are they going to go to Europe or Wherever, like, or, or are they going to just do a taxi squad thing, right? Like, I, I have no idea. But to your Engvall point as well, like, that seems like it's, it's going to be a cap dump. Because I do think that although he showed promise, like, right at the beginning of Keefe's era. Yeah, he, he,
0: he had good a good 12 sorry, games.
1: Yeah, he had a good 12 games. But then the last, like, 40 games, he didn't score a goal. The only goal he scored was against uh, David Ayers. So, what so, well. right.
0: Yeah, it was. But, but even just getting back to the, the original topic was, the, you know, the Thornton signing is, you know, the fact that we're able to have these conversations, we weren't having these last season. Um, and that really builds well to the potential success of this team. Um, you know, it, it, like there's, we could, outside of the top five, which is Hyman, Tavares, Matthews, Nylander, Marner, everyone else is a pencil. Like no one else is a pen on this roster. Like if you're mapping out a roster, those five are I, in I front I, on the defense. It's you would
1: lock in Brody Muzzin and yeah, uh, Brody Muzzin like, and Riley.
0: It, yeah, but if you're looking at just the forward unit, the bottom mm-hmm. six can have nine different names, you know, or six different Absolutely. names at, at any given night. And and I think that it it should bold well for you're not going to get players that are going to come out and have a flat night because they know if they have a flat night on a couple of occasions, they're out of the roster. And I think that that's that you're going to start to feel that internal competition become the feel that this roster needs to actually begin to actually take that next step come playoffs, Jason. Um, and and all
1: the desperation. Yep. Right. There's that's nothing what... wrong with
0: desperation. Nothing mm-hmm. wrong with it. Um, but you know what? I guess you know what? It's been a really heated and often really good conversation we've had, gentlemen, this evening. And you know, I guess before we wrap up tonight's podcast or today's podcast, sorry. Um, you know, do you guys have any final thoughts um, as we, you know, we stare down, you know, what looks like a January 1st start or even a February 1st start for the next NHL season?
1: Yeah, for me, it's probably um, the, the storyline that I'm going to be following is um, Mackenzie Weger in Florida. Mm. Um, we I'm not uh, – don't quote me on this. I'm not sure if he's uh, – I think he filed for arbitration. I have no idea. Um I know his ask was three million a year. So like to me, I think he would be another he would just be a player that I'd be looking at to add to the top four. Um the 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 thing is though, they they would probably they would have to move Justin Hall. So again, another yeah. variable and that is that if if Justin if there's a market for Justin Hall, right? So so that's a storyline that I'll be following. I know Dubis doesn't uh he said that he doesn't expect to make any more moves. Uh, before the season starts, but uh, that could just be him playing, playing his, uh, holding his cards close to himself. So overall, if if they do stand pat, um, I think that there's an argument to be made that maybe they are, aren't as a uh, on paper. They don't look as offensively uh, gifted or high flying Leafs, right? I don't think we're going to be calling them that anytime soon. They're actually got a little bit slower, but I do think that this team is uh, more built for playoff hockey. So that's, that's kind of the, the, the mantra that I'll be taking into the season if the puck drops with this roster.
2: Yeah, I'll agree with Anthony. I'll say that I do like the, the direction the team's going in. I think they are a little bit more balanced at this point, like throughout the whole entire roster. Um, I'll give, I'll give Dubas some credit. You know, he's answered a couple questions. Um, he's, he's tried his best to fix holes that, that desperately needed to be fixed. Um, I know he's mentioned that he probably doesn't want to make any more moves, but I would like to see him to move out a couple more guys and if Mackenzie Weger actually does become available I really don't think that you should not make that move because you have Hall and Engvall tying you up um, with the cap that could go to Uyghur. Like I think those, those are two guys that should be moved out if you have the opportunity to bring a guy like Weger in um, because then that just means as Anthony said, a guy like Martin Brinson will never have to play for the Leafs again um, which would be really nice to not have him as the seventh defenseman. Um, but other than that, I do really enjoy where the Leafs are headed.
0: Um, other than that, no, that's, that's about it for me. Well, gentlemen, it's been fun again. Um, and uh, we'll be catching up again shortly for next week's podcast. To all our listeners, thanks you again uh, for your continued support. And don't forget to head over to our Twitter account for our contest this October where you could win yourself a Manscaped prize pack. Thanks again, everyone. Cheers.